Quality Files. We're in the dungeon. Again. Again. It's been a hot minute, right? Has it? Like what? two I weeks? I don't know. I feel like the past two or three weeks have been like three days worth. Yes. Like it's just flown. Ever since GalaxyCon, I feel yes. like it's yeah, yeah. been two days. I agree. But it's been three weeks. It has been. It really has been three weeks. And when does this shit stop? Uh, <laughs> I mean, never. I can't complain. Life's good. Um, it's really good. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, yeah. So you're listening to Oddity Files. The, the podcast. podcast. And I'm Kitsy Duncan. And I'm Clayton Abbott. And we've got DJ Jimmy, wah, wah, on the ones and twos in the corner over there. What does the ones and twos even mean? I think it's the, the two, like. Like the turntable yeah. thingies? Right. Am I making that up? Sounds right to me. Okay. Well, it sounds probably super extremely crazy. wrong. Yeah. <laughs> Oddity Files crew at Gmail. <laughs> yeah, let us know. <laughs> yeah. um, we are a paranormal podcast where we talk about weird, creepy, spooky, otherworldly. Oh, he was taking a drink. Let's try that again. Weird, spooky, creepy, and otherworldly, otherworldly. items we find on the interwebs. And we tell you about them because we think they're fucking interesting. <laughs> and you know what? You think they're fucking interesting. Most of the times they are. Yeah. And if they're not interesting, they're at least fun to say. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> like last week. Like mini ha 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 or whatever. <laughs> the things. George's Nessie. George's Nessie. Totally. Um, yeah, but that's what we do. We try to keep it not totally creepy. Always sarcastic. Always. And sometimes funny. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's what we do. We... uh I got a lot of emails this week. Did we really? Yeah. I forwarded one to you that was specifically to you. I saw that one. And then um, I don't have any paranormal in the news, but this is very interesting. It was sent by Darcy. She says, hey, guys, I just got done listening to the newest, newest podcast episode. Like always, I loved it. It's really interesting that you guys mentioned the story of Elsa Lamb or Elisa Lamb. Words are fucking hard. I listened to another true crime podcast that did an episode on her, and in that episode mentioned a very paranormal theory on her behavior, which I had never heard of. Um, They brought up how some people think Elsa may have been playing the elevator game. Have you ever heard of this? No. I've done some research, but I'll continue reading her email. Um, This podcast episode talks briefly about the game, And it's a very, very paranormal and creepy. Thought it might be something you would be interested in if you haven't heard of it. Thanks again for everything you do. And you guys are amazing. Thank you, Darcy. But so last night, I Googled paranormal elevator game. Holy fucking shit. Really? Yes. So this is directly off Ranker.com. I thought about doing a story on a... just. podcast and it was just too good to pass up since we did that story last week but the elevator game could send you to another dimension Hmm. 
I'm, I was intrigued. So creepy paranormal games alleging to grant you access to the spirit realm have existed for centuries. You've got Bloody Mary. True. You've got stiff as a board. You've got Ouija boards and seances and all of the things and the all of the stuff. But the elevator game can reportedly grant you access to other dimensions, making bad things likely happen if played incorrectly. Okay, first and foremost, warning, warning, <laughs> warning. Do not try this at home, kids. And we are not responsible. We are absolutely not responsible, especially the ones and twos. So, you sh- the article actually says you shouldn't take your chances by playing this game, but for the curious, here are the rules. Okay. Again, warning, warning, war- if you end up, any of this shit happening to you, it is not our fault. Do not try this at home. Okay, so first, the player must choose a building with at least 10 accessible floors and locate an elevator that can be used without anyone else trying to get on it at the same time. So three in the morning is, you know, witching our devil's hour. Perfect time, right? Again, warning. The player will then enter the elevator from the first floor, but absolutely must be completely alone. Once in the elevator, the player must visit each of the following floors in exactly this order, pressing the next button just after arriving at each. Four, two, six, two, ten, five, and one. When I read this last night, I read it as they had to punch all those in at once and then stop on each floor. Okay. But if it goes two, six, two, I don't know. I don't know how to play the game, and I will never play the game. So upon the button, wait, upon pressing the button to once again return to the first floor, if the elevator begins to move up instead of down, then the ritual has been successful, and the next floor the player arrives at will be the portal to another dimension. Okay. See why I thought you pressed them all at once? Yeah. Um, however, if the elevator obeys and begins descending to the first floor, Uh-oh. the player must exit the elevator and the building as quickly as possible and not for any reason look back. So here's what's supposed to happen. When playing the elevator game, there's a good chance a – what floor is this? On the fifth floor, okay. when you make it to the fifth floor, there's a good chance a woman will try to enter the elevator when the doors open at the fifth floor. If this happens, the player should not look at, speak with, or otherwise acknowledge the woman. Which, creepy. Terrifying. People who reportedly spoke to or glanced at the woman said she quickly becomes hostile. She taunts so aggressively, she attacks whoever's in the elevator. And if you do have this interaction with a woman and you make it out alive, blah, 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 she haunts you for the rest of her life. And Siri is taking notes on everything I'm saying right now. Okay, so there's that. So if you make it to the 10th floor, all the other floors, nothing really happens. Allegedly, I don't know. I won't, nor will, try this. Um, But if you get out on the 10th floor... The 10th floor should have a cast of darkness and a faint red glow. 
that will be coming in through the windows. Some player report the red glow comes from a cross-like structure in the distance, which they can never get close enough to or see clearly. Some others say there's no cross, just a glow. Apparently, everybody's tried this, and I've never heard of it. <laughs> um, however, nearly all players describe how they are completely alone in this other dimension with the woman from the fifth floor, if she entered the elevator, refusing to explore with them. Some also report it's incredibly dark and they have, and it has heavy air that's almost suffocating. So players who choose to exit the elevator on the 10th floor believe walking in a straight line makes it easier to return to the correct elevator door. Um, Some people talk about passing out once they get off the elevator and waking up at home in a different dimension. So like... You wake up and it's your home, but it's not really That's your home. Right. But how did they report that to us if, <laughs> you know? <laughs> go back and play again until they got back yeah. to the real um, Fainting is, is a big thing. Let's see. And players must be careful when returning to the real world. If everything goes smoothly and the elevator travels to the 10th floor instead of the first floor after the last button, then the player has successfully made it into the other dimension. Here, the player may choose to either exit the elevator or venture out into this new dimension. Choosing to remain in the elevator only requires repushing the button for the first floor until the elevator finally responds, then exiting at the ground level as soon as the doors open. But if the player chooses to leave the elevator, they must remember how to get back to the exact elevator to leave. The player will then press buttons in the same order originally used to reach this other dimension. Numbers are hard. I would fuck this up. Mess it up instantly. Every single fucking time. Um, After pushing the first floor button for a final time, the elevator will attempt to return to the 10th floor. So the player has to repeatedly press any button to lower lower than the 10th to return home. So the theory is with Alyssa Lamb, is she played this game before disappearing? Hmm. Maybe she was talking to the creepy lady on the fifth floor when she stepped out. It would explain why she had all these random buttons pressed on the elevator. Right. Um, I don't know. It's super interesting because they say sometimes when you pass out, you end up still on the 10th floor, but you think you went home or something like that. So maybe that's how she ended up in the water tank. I'm so confused by how she ended up in the water tank. I don't either. I don't, I don't know. It's, it's a huge conspiracy theory, obviously. Yes. We've now delved into conspiracy theories. <laughs> But it was still super interesting that I had never, ever heard of this ever. before. Which, and you would think, because we stay in hotels all the time. All the time. All, all, all the time. And I'm really surprised that no one's ever brought this up to us. I know. Hmm. And it usually has more than 10 floors. Will we try it? Doubt Fuck it. no. Just in case. Just wear a GoPro and then try it. Yeah, well, I, I mean, swear to you, if the fifth floor opened and there was an old lady there, I would drop I would, kick her. Yes. And, and then be taken one. to prison because I drop kicked an old lady. <laughs> I know. What are the chances? That, and she's just she, like. It would just be like some regular old lady. Right. Like getting up for an early morning flight. <laughs> exactly. And that I just punch her in the throat. In the throat. She just says like, good morning. And I just Bam. <laughs> bam. <laughs> Bitch, get out of my way. <laughs> and Take me to the 10th floor. Press one. <laughs> oh, Lord. Darcy, that was awesome. 
Thank you for that. Yeah, I emailed her back and I'm like, oh my God, I can't wait to tell this to Clayton. So yeah, there's, if any of you, warning, warning, do not try this at home. Do try this and things happen. I would love to know more. Or if you were a GoPro. (laughs) Did you say if you were a GoPro? If you wore a GoPro, if you did it and wore a GoPro. (laughs) But would a GoPro actually catch the other dimension? I don't know. How does that work? Worth a shot. I'm super intrigued, totally terrified, and I want answers. <laughs> I don't so know. weird. Anything creepy going on on your cruise? Any? Um, no, nothing really creepy went on. However, mm. something's back. What? Something's back. What is back? The raccoon. Oh shit! I thought you were gonna say Walter. No. I would actually prefer Walter. <laughs> At this point. Literally got a notification on our ring cam and the little bitch is back. Oh, no. And so we go and look up like in the part of the ceiling where it got in last time that they like resealed. Yeah. And it like somehow managed to like rip it all back. Oh, my gosh. Crazy. So. Terminator raccoon. <laughs> you know, when they took the raccoon away, it went, I'll be back. Literally. <laughs> and we took it. It had to go over like. Eight busy roads. Like, oh it's not God. like it, it was across the street. It was like five miles away. And it's the same one. Has to be. Has to be. I mean, if it knew to get in where it And it's the exact it same place that it was last time. So this morning I was like Googling stuff. And apparently like one of the best ways to get rid of raccoons is just like really, really loud noise. And some people like leave a leaf blower running like in their attic. Oh. Just to like. Yeah. Because it hates it. So we took our Alexa upstairs and turned it on 10 and played heavy metal. <laughs> I knew you were going to say that. And left the house. <laughs> so we currently have it's heavy metal genius. music playing. And your neighbors are like, the fuck is going on at their house? The raccoon, just, I'm imagining it like with its little tiny paws over its ears. Like <laughs> I finally got back home. Oh, God. So back literally in- I was like, Alexa, play heavy metal. Yeah. Back in the 80s, that's how they would torture people, so it should work. Literally, If you guys are wondering why I'm whispering the device's name, it's because we have one in the dungeon, and she always interrupts us. Always. Uh, I had something weird happen. I'm not... I'm still freaked out out about it. Chris is there when it happened. He thinks I'm fucking crazy, but he thinks I'm crazy anyway. (laughs) So Chris and I walk out on the back deck at night, and all of a sudden I hear, like, something knock on the structure of the deck. I mean, I could... I could hear it and I heard it knock and I was finishing up possibly reading the email that I had just read you before I, I turned on the flashlight on my phone and went to check it out. And then I'm like, what the fuck was that? I'm looking, I don't see anything. And all of a sudden I go, Bigfoot, is that you? I hear the same fucking knock in the woods. Not even fucking kidding right and now. And Chris was outside with you. Yep. I said, babe. It's Bigfoot. He came for me. You're in trouble. <laughs> I Wait, did lock- so did he hear the knocking yeah. too? Yeah. He couldn't not have. He, I think he chose not to acknowledge me. But And he like heard it on the like the deck. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. So what the fuck was that? He's like, I don't know. I think a lot of times he chooses to say, I don't know. So he doesn't have to like think about it. Nine times out of ten. Because like when stuff was getting weird around the house there for a while, I think he had to tell himself like, 
I oh, don't yeah. know, to just... Yeah, but now he'll say when she brought that ghost back with her. I know, well, now that it's gone. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I've been seeing all these... What's that monster show you brought up that the Travel Channel's putting out oh, here right. soon? Yep. Um, I've decided I want to party with those guys. They look like a blast. <laughs> They probably are. Oh yeah, they're just a bunch of rednecks with their Duck say, Dynasty probably beards. Like a mixture of like Duck Dynasty moonshiners, literally, and the like. What was it like? Finding Bigfoot or the oh, one yeah. where like the team went out mm-hmm. and they'd always do those crazy calls. Like, oh yeah, but that's all I know about Bigfoot is he knocks on things, which makes mm. entirely zero sense to me because I don't know. Um, but yeah. I, I, Two things. Bigfoot's coming for me. Fucking finally, I've been waiting. I have a hug just waiting for him. And two, I want to party with those monster boys. Maybe we should set out the game cam one night in your woods. Oh, it's still at Waverly. Oh, perfect. We'll be there tomorrow to pick up the pups. Oh. So we can just swing through. Oh, perfect. Yeah. I'll give you her email or phone number or something. Okay. But she lives there. So. Perfect. <laughs> um, yeah. So that's that's about it. We're not going to capture anything except deer. We're not. But why would deer can't knock on my deck? I mean, it's a pretty large structure. True. Um, And where it knocked was where it goes off to the yard on the side there by the stairs. Um, So I don't know. I'm I'm, I'm going with big feats because it makes me happy. (laughs) That's crazy, though. It is. Did you, like, feel it a little bit? Yeah. What? Yeah. And then the same, just one single knock, like I, on a tree out in the woods. I can't believe Chris was as calm as he was, uh, especially I, I, with the knock on the deck. Like, I understand out in the woods, but like. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, there's been some construction going on under my deck. Okay, but not. But not that. I mean, not at night. No, not at night at all. And there was like a, a two before under the stairs, but I looked at it, it hadn't moved, it hadn't been knocked over, because that's what I assumed it was at first. That's why I didn't get up right yeah. away and look. Had I, I probably would have seen Bigfoot. What if he took that board and, and that's beat what me you to heard. death with it? <laughs> no, it was still there. And then like went out to the woods to like use that on his home. <laughs> it's like, I'm kind of jealous what she's got going on <laughs> under the deck. I'm going to try that. Uh, oh, shit. So we do have an announcement. We will not be doing a podcast at Horror Hound this year, sadly. Um, well, I mean, this time around. I guess we this did do around. one this year already. Right. Um, but we're going to be in Salt Lake, and we just couldn't find a flight that would work yeah. to get us back the in time to actually do it. Being mountain time, going the opposite way. Yeah. It's a lot more difficult than doing it the other way It around. is. And the one that might have worked, if there was any kind of delay at all, well, one, we wouldn't have gotten any and, sleep And been all. stressed. The fuck out. Stressed. <laughs> and already, like, I'm assuming that we'll be, have, like, a pretty low tolerance level at the end of that weekend. Yeah. Just, like, with how busy it's going to be. Yeah. <laughs> so imagining the both of us rushing through an airport that we might, like, be delayed or missed. Someone would die. And it has to suck to be these two after a live podcast. Because all I do is beat myself up out loud about it. Could you imagine how bad it would be after that? You'd be like, bitch, shut the fuck up. I need some sleep. (laughs) I'm going to sleep now. Yeah. You just cry into your pillow. Fine. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. 
well, I have a story that I've been meaning to do for a while. Sort of. Sort of. Yeah. Intriguing. Who, wait, who? Do I go first? Mm-hmm. Oh. oh. It's like you're psychic. So as you, I know Kitsy knows, but listeners might not know. My mom grew up in a town called Natchez, Mississippi, which is this southern little antebellum home. It was one of the first, it was the first colonized city on the Mississippi River. Um, and Your as mom we know. swears it's a, the whole place is haunted, right? A lot of people swear. Yes. Yeah. So I was just going to do the city, mm-hmm. but I'm like. I would have to have an episode of myself oh. with no paranormal in the news uh, or understandable. anything. Because every like all these locations that I was finding, it wasn't just like, oh, blah, 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 blah. It was like novels and novels. Oh, wow. That's nice, though. Yeah. Super haunted. You can do a series. We need to go. <laughs> Book us. Um, so, and you've probably heard about it, but my, maybe not to the extent, mm-hmm. um, King's Tavern in Natchez, Mississippi. I don't know. Sometimes known as like the Devil's Punch Bowl. No. So the King's Tavern is a over 230-year-old structure still in use today. The tavern's located at 619 Jefferson Street in Natchez, Mississippi. Like how I put that first this time since last time I did a location. You're like, where is it? Because I, I always <laughs> And it was like my last sentence on that. Yeah. <laughs> you're like, see, told you. <laughs> it's it what I think is like a more upscale bar and grill, which is fitting because that's exactly what it was in the late 1700s. Oh, so originally King's Inn was intended to be a blockhouse for Fort Panmore, but because there was not a local sawmill, materials had to come from other places. So many of the structures built during this era were constructed from beams scrapped from old New Orleans sailing ships, which were brought to Natchez via mule. Crazy. They were way ahead of their time uh, repurposing wood. Absolutely. Upcycling. <laughs> Another high-demand source of materials were barge boards from flat river river boats that were used to travel down the Mississippi. Since the boats couldn't make it, couldn't make their way back up the river, they were dismounted, dismantled, and sold off at the Natchez port. Okay. So literally, they just took them up, took them apart, and built other things. The last of materials were easily obtained locally. Sun-dried bricks were used. Um, were also common in the area. So after the Revolutionary War. The fort was no longer occupied, and in 1789, a New Yorker named Richard King moved his family to Natchez and purchased the block home. King turned the home into a combination tavern and inn where where mail could be picked up and delivered. So as you can imagine, King's Inn quickly turned just to one of Natchez's most social gathering spots, and King found his business had become quite lucrative. So during this time... Living the American dream. The American dream. Um, so during this time, there were some pretty unpleasant characters that came into town. Of course. As these weren't the run-of-the-mill outlaws, these folks were like the infamous Harp Brothers. The sadistic, they were just like terrible, terrible people. Mm -hmm. Their favorite pastime was tormenting and mutilating their victims before finally putting them out of their misery. Oh, fuck. Yep. These guys made their living off robbing people as they left Natchez mainly the sailors who had just sold and dismantled their vessels as building materials. So they would like, they knew all these people had money because they just dismantled their boats and sold them. And they would literally, when their pockets were full of cash, just rob them and beat them. And yeah. These fucking guys. Yeah. So for a second, I'm going to like step away and focus more on them. Mm -hmm. Um, The two men and their. You had me at true crime. (laughs) 
<laughs> so the two men and their little posse were labeled the first serial killers in the United States. <gasps> so when the revolutionary began, these two joined up with the Tory rape gang. Not really that they supported the royal crown. It was just justification for them to brutalize, murder, rape, burn down family homes and farms, and kidnap. Like, that's what they just loved to do. You know, you think of that time as being pleasant and wonderful. Those are some bad people. So these two kidnapped kidnapped their wives. Wives. Okay. Um, They were essentially just two girls that they kidnapped beat and raped over and over told people they were their wives gotcha both of them became pregnant at some point and mm. both both of the infants were murdered by the brothers the moment they were born oh my god yeah. stand up guys yeah so no surprise these two wives wind up dead while the brother and their gains continue their reign of terror whatever so later on one of the brothers took a new wife and the other one took on two wives the circumstances were quite different as their wives were among their little gang and they would actually be tried for murder later to be set free. Oh, so these, they, they were willingly there. Yes. Okay. The new ones. So bitch faces. Literally. <laughs> Meanwhile, behind them, just leaving, I mean, more or less a trail of bodies. Literally. But this is what's crazy. The bodies were often split open, intestines removed, their empty body cavities were refilled with rocks and dirt, and the then fuck? submerged in the nearest body of water. And that's how, like, everyone knew, oh, it's this gang. So sadistically, my brain thinks, that's fucking genius. <laughs> but that's fucking horrible. Terrible. Yeah. Yes. So in 1799... One pissed off father of one of the kidnapped wives had tracked the brothers down. Good for him. And they were actually getting ready to kill a man when they were spotted by him. Big Harp, obviously, that's just what I called him, was shot down from his horse but not killed. That later came when the dear old dad slowly removed his head with a handsaw. Yes! For more than a minute. Oh, that's so poetic. The other brother managed to escape, but only for a little while. So then the guy that got away yeah. literally hooks up with a band of pirates along the river. Of course it's like it a does. terrible children's book. It, he, it would make a great movie. <laughs> so he and a friend, um, he and a friend of his decide to just take out the leader of the pirate group okay. because there was a bounty on his head. So they're okay. like, oh, we become friends, kill him, you know. So they attack this leader cut off his head, take the head to the authorities and claim the reward, but both were recognized idiots. Derp. They were executed in 1804. Their heads were impaled on the same roadway as Big Brother Harp, which, obviously. So, rewind back to King's Inn. Okay. Things are really tough in this area, obviously. Obviously. (laughs) And it stayed that way until Big Harp was beheaded. So his head was run through a stake and placed on the road just outside of town as a warning for everyone to see. Because that's how they did things back then. I love that. <laughs> and with that came the end of two eras in Natchez. The bad guys pulled out, steamboats pulled in, and there was no longer a need to travel the Natchez Trace. The economy bit the dust and King sold his establishment to the Postal Waith uh-huh. family who would revert the inn into a private residence 
which it would remain in the family for 150 years. Oh, my. That's amazing. In 1973, the homestead was sold again and was given back its namesake, King's Tavern. So, okay. Now let's get to, like, the darker side of actual King's Tavern. Okay. One of the first tragedies that struck King's Inn was caused by one of the Hart brothers, and perhaps this was one of the headings, and if so, you'll just know why. So one of the infamous brothers, known as the bigger Big Heart, Big was, Bro, Big Bro, was staying at King's Inn one night, spinning a wad of stolen cash from robberies a few days before. Also staying in one of the attic rooms was a young woman with her newborn baby. Oh no, I don't like where this is going. She had tried resentlessly to quiet the the crying infant, but it just didn't work. Finally, Big Harp had enough of its endless squalling. He marches up the stairs to the attic, bursts in the door, snatches the infant from its mother. Mm-mm. He grabs the baby by its feet and swings it with all of his might against a brick <gasps> wall. No! The baby died on impact. Oh, fuck! To this day, both the infant and the mother's crying can be heard on the upper levels of the tavern from time to time. Another tragedy fell at King's Inn was brought by adultery and then murder. So Richard King was turned into a wealthy man very quickly when mm-hmm. he came and bought it and did all that. So as most men did with their money back then, he could do whatever he wanted, yeah. regardless of his vows to his current wife. He had hired a 16-year-old girl to work as a, a server in the tavern. The girl at that time was engaged herself. King immediately determined that the girl would be his and began trying to seduce her. And then it finally happened. Young Madeline gave in to his advances, and a sultry Mississippi love affair began. Well, at everything, least he didn't kidnap her and rape her. So, so everything was actually great <laughs> between them, at least until Mrs. King Ooh. caught wind of what was happening. Well. Yes. So um, Madeline all of a sudden comes up missing. Well, no shit. Yeah. <laughs> Mr. King is, um, is walking around the place. Just trying to, essentially trying to act, act like he's not like heartbroken or that, concerned. Yes. Or, yeah. On the other on the other hand, Mrs. King is wearing like sort of a smile, like she's walking around like nothing to see here. Is. Yeah. So in 1930, the house had to have some renovations um, oh. and some shoring done. I don't really know what shoring is, but I don't either. That's what had to be done. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. While repairing the fireplace in the main room of the tavern. Three mummified bodies were found <gasps> cemented into the walls of the fireplace. Did he have three affairs? Please tell me yes. <laughs> Two men and a young girl. Oh. In another fireplace, Maybe in those another were her room. Affairs. True. <laughs> so in another fireplace, another room, a dagger was found. It's been assumed that this was the murder weapon for all three of the bodies. But was it Madeline in the fireplace? No one knows for sure, but there are rumors that the bodies belong to the men that were either patrons or servants. Or anyone that annoyed Mrs. King. Bitch, get shit done. (laughs) So now the fireplace has become known as... um, So now the fireplace is known to become, quote, hot as hell, no need for a fire. Yeah. In fact, it just seems to heat up on its own, even though it's no longer a working fireplace. Shit, literally. Yes. I thought you meant like hotbed of paranormal activity. Oh, well, sort of, but no, like physically hot. Hell hath no fury like a woman scorned. Right. Yeah. So as a, as far as Madeline goes, she stays quite busy at King's Inn. 
She appears frequently to both patrons and staff and apparently has some kind of fetish for walking on freshly mopped floors. Her her footprints are often seen walking across wet surfaces. Really? Yes. Headed toward the one who's holding the mop. Like the person that's holding the mop. She also enjoys knocking jars off shelves and rocking in the rocking chairs, turning on faucets and turning off lights. She proves she's like you know, quite handy because they say that there are a few doors that are hard to open and close Uh just because of how old the building is. But when Madeline's name is called, the door will open. Yeah. Just like, Oh, super easy. And then when the staff member is finished in the room, the door will, will solidly close behind them when they walk out. So here's, here's my theory. Mm -hmm. I think after, um, wifey killed poor sweet baby angel, Madeline, that she used to do this shit to torture the wife, knock shit over. Maybe the wife was mopping up, and and it's just yeah, what she just knows how to do on. in the yeah. other world now. The so the place has been investigated several times, and mm-hmm. there, of course, with every place, tons of photos of shadowy figures, and of course, like EVPs, which now everyone's like, "That's Madeline." Yeah, but there's another entity that's also seen and photographed here as well. It's a tall man wearing a black jacket and a top hat. Ooh. He's described as sinister and always appears angry. He's got a thing for showing up in pictures when people are posing in front of are posing in front of the fireplace where the, the same fireplace where the bodies were discovered. Oh. He also likes to throw things, mainly dishes. <laughs> people say All that, the poltergeist activity. Right, that when they see the tall man, they feel a tightness in their chest and throats. To this day, no one has ever been able to identify any of the ghosts seen in King's Tavern Tavern, other than Madeline. Um, all I'm saying is that Oddity Files really needs to take a field trip. Literally. <laughs> to Natchez, Mississippi. Please. Yeah. So crazy. I mean, we just need to find time, but I'm down. <laughs> I know. <laughs> like, literally down. That's amazing. A little true crime, a little conspiracy. Some construction notes. Yeah. <laughs> Things we have to learn how to do. Think shoring. Shoring. I'll let you know. Yeah. But wow. Yeah. So Bodies crazy. found in the fireplace in the 30s. What? And those what outlaws, I guess, is what they were yeah. called back then. I thought all the bad shit happened in the wild, wild west. Not in Natchez, Mississippi. Yeah. It's what? just, I mean, <sighs> if you think about it, it. I'm not saying it's smart on their end, but when these guys would bring their ships up, it is sell it all off. Yeah. And they just have all this cash. I mean, if they were going to rob somebody, it was going to be them. And like the original serial killers. Yes, please. Um, The baby thing is a little much. It's a lot much, but a lot of it is a lot much, especially while it's genius, the way they would dispose of the bodies. Right. Ugh. I know. know? Well, and, But, like, shame on them also, well, at least little bro, for becoming a pirate, killing the main pirate, and then trying to, like, get away with it. It's karma. Like, he wasn't tried for a ton of stuff on his own. Yeah. Oh, and, and, you know, badass daddy chopping the head off. Yeah. With a handsaw. Mm Mm-hmm. Fucking brilliant. I love it. Why isn't that a movie? I don't know. They could even, like... Excuse me. They could even make it like in this day and age, just kind of tell the story a different way. I'd fucking watch it. I'm just saying. I don't know. My story was another email. I didn't have to do anything (laughs) this week. 
Um, I did write the story, but um, the, I, my story is the Greenbrier Ghost, and I need to take my glasses off. Um, first off, thanks to listener Jess for sending this in. She writes, hey, y'all, I think Kitsy said something on a recent episode about wanting to do true crime slash paranormal combo stories. <laughs> Look at us on the same page, or you and Jess, anyway. <laughs> I came across this story just now, and I'm pretty sure you guys haven't done it already. If you have, sorry, my bad. Quote, and it goes a little something <laughs> like this, unquote. On January 23rd, 1897, Elva Zona Heaster Shoe, we're just going to call her Zona from here on out, of Lewisburg, West Virginia, a bride of three months was found dead at the bottom of the stairs leading to the second floor of a log house where she lived with her new husband. Her body was discovered by a neighbor boy. Um, He was 11 years old who did chores for her. The young boy, whose name is Andy Jones, ran home to his mother to find out what to do next. Then he ran to the blacksmith's shop where Zona's husband worked to let him know what had happened to poor Zona. Shu, her husband, was devastated and ran home. He held his dead wife in his arms, inconsolable. He screamed for someone to call the local coroner, Dr. George W. Knapp, And the whole time, she held his wife's lifeless body in his arms, devastated. When the coroner arrived, he gave Zona a quick examination and said that she died from an, quote, everlasting faint, unquote, which I guess was just their fancy way of saying a heart attack back then. (laughs) An everlasting Everlasting faint. faint. Oh, you know, I was texting with. Our friend Corey uh-huh. the other day. I had a panic attack recently at a show, and he called it a spell. And um, so now every time he tells me not to have a spell, I saw, send the most dramatic fainting gif ever. You know, I really just thought there was going to be so much more fainting in adulthood. In quicksand, there's neither. Because of like how old school movies made it uh-huh. seem. Absolutely. Or 70s um, action, like Bionic Woman and shit. Everybody was caught in Everyone, quicksand. All the time. Everybody had to be rescued. <laughs> I don't know. There's actually, there's a, a comedian, Natasha Legero. She has a part where she's like talking about how women in like the 30s and 40s had it so easy because if they didn't get something they wanted, they just fainted. <laughs> they just faked a faint. Yes. <laughs> Threw their their hand on their head and fell back at some point. And there was always like a nice like chaise lounge or couch. Oh, yeah. Of course, I'd end up on like marble tile, bleeding. An everlasting faint. Exactly. (laughs) You just try to be dramatic and die. (laughs) Literally. That's my life. Um, The body was prepared for burial with the heartbroken shoe assisting in the preparation of her body for burial. He even placed her in the casket himself always handling her head in a very loving manner. He placed a folding sheet on one side of her head and an article of clothing on the other side of her head, which he said would make her rest easier. In addition, he tied a large scarf around her neck and explained tearfully that it had been Zona's favorite. Oh. Slightly suspicious. Zona was taken to the home of her mother, Mrs. Mary Jane Heaster, for the viewing. When the casket was opened, she always remained at the head of the casket. And the next day, her body was buried in a little cemetery on the hilltop. Nothing more was thought of the death other than 
that usual for a sudden death of anyone. About a month later, Zona's mother starts talking to the neighbors, saying that Zona's ghost was visiting visiting her for the past four nights in a row. Zona's ghost had a message for her mother, and the message was that her husband had murdered her. Oh. And she needed to set the record straight. Zona said that she had been abusive and cruel to her during their short marriage. The story spread like wildfire that these visions had convinced Mary Jane that the husband, who called himself Edward, but was really named Erasmus Stribling Trout Shoe and was known as Trout, had killed <laughs> Obviously, her daughter. Obviously, everyone would just call him Trout. Of course. Neighbors convince Mary Jane to go to the prosecutor, John Preston. Mary Jane walks into Preston's office, um, demanding that her daughter's body be exhumed and that her husband be charged with murder. And while he thought she was batshit crazy, which, I mean, yeah, the more he listened, the more he actually started to believe her, or at least believe that there was some truth to these accusations. Um, Maybe it was just to get the crazy lady to leave him alone, or maybe Preston was a weirdo like us, which I'm hoping for. (laughs) But the body was exhumed, and the coroner was called back to re-examine the body. Upon further examination, the coroner realizes that he was wrong and concludes Zona's windpipe was crushed and that the ligaments in her neck were torn and ruptured. Whoa. But her husband was holding her head. The The authorities decide that Shu, or Trout, or whatever the fuck his name is, (laughs) who played the heartbroken widower, was actually trying to hide the fact and the evidence that would prove he had murdered his sweet bride. Holding on to her at the home was really covering the bruises on her neck. Placing her in the casket was so no one would notice the fact that her neck was injured. And I mean, the scarf? Who wants to be buried in a (laughs) scarf? (laughs) This is my look of disapproval in his fashion choice. Um, The prosecutor is blown away. And while he can't call a ghost in to testify against Shu, he decides to look a little deeper into the dick face's past, firstly finding out Shu, and then I went into that he called himself Trout again. I think I should have actually cut, but I pasted somewhere (laughs) up there earlier. Um, But now and forever will be known as Dick Face Trout. But that's not all, folks. They also found out that he served a term in a penitentiary and a penitentiary penitentiary and had been married twice previously, and both wives had died under strange circumstances. Huh. Yeah. One wife was supposed to have died from a broken neck when she fell off from a haystack. No way. Yep. <laughs> and the other wife died while helping Shu repair a chimney full circle when uh, he was on top of the chimney and his wife was placing rocks in a basket with a rope attached to it and the rock attached to the rope coincidentally hit her in the head. idea was that? The guy doesn't seem very creative (laughs) or maybe too creative. Uh, Yeah. I'd be like, no, you have fun with that, babe. I got other things to do. Laundry, something. I don't know. Throwing away scarves, everlasting fainting. There you go. 
So, which this new evidence and the testimony of Zona's loving mother, Mary Jane, that went a little something like this. Yes, I used it twice in this story. Mary Jane said, it was no dream. I'm not going to do the accent because it's West Virginia. She came back and told me that he was mad that she didn't have no meat cooked for supper. Uh-oh. It comes out anyway. She came four times in four nights. <laughs> terrible <laughs> but then the second oh. night she told me that her neck was squeezed off at the first joint and it was just as she told me you understood that uh-huh. in, yeah, yeah in the midst of that terrible accent the lawyer then continues and this was not a dream founded upon your distressed condition of mind no sir it was no dream for i was as wide awake as i ever was She wore the very dress that she was killed in. And when she went to leave me, she turned her head completely around and looked at me like she wanted me to know about it all. The lawyer then continues, when you insist that she actually appeared in flesh and blood to you upon four different occasions, yes, sir. Excerpts from the trial. Dun-dun-dun. An investigation into Shu's background revealed that Apparently, I forgot to cut in some spots <laughs> and then did paste. So on June 22nd in 1997, the jury returned a verdict of guilty after one hour and 10 minutes of deliberation. The accounts in the independent make clear that Trout was convicted of the murder of his third wife on circumstantial evidence and not because of a, quote, ghost's testimony. He was sentenced to life in the state prison following a failed lynching attempt. A few days later, he was taken by train to the state prison in Moundsville, where he died on the 1st of March, 1900. I don't know how I didn't realize that they tried to hang him and it didn't take. Don't you just keep trying to take? Wait, did you originally mean 1897? Yeah, did I say 1997? Yeah. Because oh. I was really confused for a second. I was like, wait, this... Log home. <laughs> yeah, this doesn't seem right. Um, yes, 1897. And funny story, because I think Darcy had put in the wrong years and came back with a corrections corner That's and said, so funny. I mean, 1897. Anywho. Um, Mary Jane said that Zona never visit her, visited her again after the conviction. And to this day, the border of Zona Hester's shoe... The case, the border. I just wrote this like right before you guys got there, got here. To this day, the case of Zona Hester Shoe is the only one in U.S. history where it's said a ghost helped convict a murderer. A state highway marker several miles west of town sums up Shoe's amazing story. It says, interred in a nearby cemetery is it Zona Hester Shoe. Her death in night. 1897, (laughs) numbers are hard, was presumed natural until her spirit appeared to her mother to describe how she was killed by her husband, husband, Edward. Autopsy on the exhumed body verified the apparition's account. Edward, found guilty of murder, was sentenced to state prison. Whoa. Yeah. Wait, he died after three years there? Oh, yes. Dang. Someone came for him. 
okay, I really wanted to make a topical joke about... Yep, I know. I can't. Can't do it. <laughs> anyway, uh, <laughs> not going to go there. Um, but yeah, crazy. Super I crazy. had actually seen this on Mysteries at the Museum, and I had forgotten until I went to look for videos on it and found the Mysteries at the Museum <laughs> section. On well, Trial apparently Channel. Ghost Adventures had been, has been to King's Inn. Then I've seen it. That's why I was like, yeah. you've definitely seen this. But totally. one, we had like three kind of crossovers in our stories. Literally. The like multi-topic. Yeah. The fireplace. Yes. And there was another one. True crime. True crime. Totally. Look at the good we do. <laughs> this is what happens when we don't record for two weeks. I know. <laughs> totally. Um, speaking of recording, um, I was in Chicago last weekend mm-hmm. and saw a good friend I hadn't seen in a minute. His name's Robert England. Oh, yes. Did you know he has a new show coming out on the Travel Channel? Not until you told me. I'm so excited. Um, I'm at the Travel Channel website right now, and I should know. It's going to be called Shadows of History. And he's super excited about it. He said that it's going to be kind of like Mysteries at the Museum, but all all the things that happen that he talks about on his show are things that have been in print in the newspaper. Oh, And I don't want to give any spoilers away. So after we're done recording, remind me to tell you his Bigfoot story. So good. But I asked Robert if he had any paranormal stories. And damn, this man can tell a story. Well, one, his voice is just like, it should narrate most things in life. (laughs) Literally. I'd like, I just changed my ways app to speak as Cookie Monster. But I think I'd like to speak as Robert England. (laughs) Uh. (laughs) But anyway, he has a story. You want to hear it? Yes. Let's go. Well, let me preface this. Uh, this is Robert England speaking. Let me preface this by saying that my concept of the spirit world or of ghosts has to do with the inherent electrical energy that's in all of us. So that if a woman, an old woman, spent years and years in an attic bedroom very ill and suffering, that that room could hold her energy after she's passed and people going to visit that room or buying that house would feel that and sense that energy and that pain that she endured in that room. And here's my story, and I learned this at a very young age from my mother, chain-smoking, martini-drinking liberal, uh, who, uh, uh, who was very pragmatic and not spiritual. Um, and my mother, as a young girl in college, was in a sorority. And there was a great flood in Southern California in the 1930s. And this is why our rivers are now all sealed with concrete and things like that, because huge portions of Southern California flooded. And my mother was in the foothills, uh, Glendale, Pasadena, Southern California adjacent, at her sorority house. And the floodwaters had come and they were devastating and my mother was there with some of the other girls and they were up late listening to the radio for reports uh the police had come by and and told them to stay put don't go out and uh and and they did and they drank coffee and ate donuts and smoked cigarettes until very late and my mother being one of the youngest members of the sorority was tasked with doing the dishes 
And at midnight or so, the rest of the girls had fallen asleep, and my mother was finishing up cleaning the sorority house kitchen and uh, uh, having herself a last uh, cup of coffee. She wasn't really ready to go to bed yet. And uh, there was a knock at the door. And she went to the sorority house door and opened it up, and one of the sorority sisters was there, all wet. And her hair was wet, and her clothes were wet, and my mother took off her, her jacket and sat her down and reheated the coffee, uh, the leftover coffee on the stove, and got her a donut, and, and they smoked a cigarette, and she told my mother this story about how she was, you know, caught in the storm. And uh, just barely made it back to the sorority house. And uh, my mother, you know, uh, was getting tired now. And she heard the story. My mom went to bed and uh, told her sister to get some rest and take a hot shower. And uh, my mother woke up the next day. And uh, there were police at the sorority house. And uh, it was they were expressing concern for the death of one of the sorority sisters and uh, they asked my mother uh, about this about the girl that had come uh, at, at 12 one in the morning and my mother said the last, that's the last time she saw her and the police told my mother oh that's impossible because we found her body at 4 in the afternoon I the day before <laughs> and my mother you know, was devastated by this and didn't know how to deal with it. And my mother found the ashtray and the coffee cup that she had left, her visitor, and there was lipstick on the coffee cup and cigarette butts that weren't my mother's. Wow. First, can I go back and say his voice? Right. (laughs) Uh, I literally, I've got the recorder in my hand. And I'm like all scrouched down on the floor. I'm getting, you know, calf cramps and everything else. And I'm just looking at him like a little girl would look at Santa Claus going, oh, my God, you're so magical. (laughs) (laughs) That is crazy, though. Yes. Again, more true crime. So good. So good. Yeah. God, what are we going to call this episode? It's a crimey. True crime motherfuckers. Well, we can't put motherfuckers. Hmm. No. Can't wait to see what DJ Jimmy comes up for this one. <laughs> no, thank you so much, Robert. Yes. We haven't had a, a celebrity story in a while. Been so long. And so we thank you. And yeah, I, I've you actually could... asked several celebrities uh-huh. at the past shows we've been at. Nobody had one. I know. I put out some feelers as well. And they're like, you know, I can't think of anything that would really fit. Like, yeah. Paranormal Bigfoot. UFO, that's what I, I even asked David Tennant. I mean, he was the Doctor Who. He should have an alien story. <laughs> nope, he didn't have anything. Womp womp. Yeah. But we don't have a listener story, but I want to read some more listener stories. How about you? Yes, for sure. Where should they send them? Crew at gmail.com. Womp womp. Pause. I almost said info at. <laughs> <laughs> I literally was like, I almost said no, send those over to oddityfilescrew at gmail.com and we will get all of those read. And we really, really enjoy hearing about everyone else's experiences, oh, whether, yeah. like I said, it's Bigfoot or UFOs or a Georgia Nessie, whatever it is. Or if you have an experience where you've had a dream, kind of like Kitsy's story this week, where 
it kind of made you realize something else. Yeah. That would be kind of cool to hear about as well. Speaking of that, in our Facebook group, um, not so secret Facebook group right. called Oddity Files Fan Group, um, people have been posting about uh, visitation dreams yes. a lot lately, which I thought was very really, interesting. Really cool. um, but add yourself to the, the Facebook group. Yes. Um, all kinds of interaction going on with everybody. Sometimes it's just really silly memes. Yeah. Sometimes it's like somebody just posted this week about all these Airbnbs that are allegedly haunted. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. <laughs> we need to go. Couple in New Orleans. I know. Mm-hmm. We just need an excuse to get back there. Absolutely. Um, but yeah, check it out. All the things. We're at Oddity Files on Twitter and Instagram. And if you liked our stories and what we talked about this week, DJ Jimmy puts together an amazing little storyline on our Instagram. So, and even if you're like still playing catch up yep. or you're about to play catch up, they're all there. They're all archived on our Instagram. Visual which is aids, at you might Oddity call Files. them. Yeah. <laughs> We've got a website, uh, oddityfiles.com, two seasons on Amazon Prime. And oh, God, we have to, we're like halfway through August. August. And I need to do a winner for. Our contest. So if you aren't sure what the contest is, every month we ask that you go and review our podcast on Apple Podcast. And when you do that, if you could screenshot that and then just email your screenshot over to oddityfilescrew at gmail.com, you will be entered to win some stuff, some signed stuff by our whole crew. Essentially, we just randomly pick someone yeah. out of all of those submissions and we send some signed stuff by the entire crew of both the podcast and the TV show. Some other little things that whatever fits that The month. most badass thank you cards, just have to say. They are pretty cool. They are pretty badass. And this month's winner is Jeffrey. Let me open up the email. Jeffrey, I will send you an email because you probably don't want your last name right on air. <laughs> or your email address. Yeah. Or- <laughs> His review was, hi, guys, been listening for a while and just now getting around to reviewing. I know I'm horrible. Anyway, this is one of my favorite paranormal podcasts, and I always look forward to the newest episode. And he's binged them all. So, Jeffrey, thank you. I'll go ahead and as soon as we finish up here, hit reply, let you know you've won the contest and get your address and We'll get that out to you in a very timely manner because I actually found envelopes. I have the thank you cards. I have everything together to send out. And I'm going to send it home with you, Clayton. So so this has been Oddity Files, the The podcast. podcast. I'm Kitsy Duncan. And I'm Clayton Abbott. And weird is the new cool. Goodbye. Ghost on.